Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. This episode I am rambling about HBO Go and the content rabbit hole, that is Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, YouTube, for the love of all that we love. I mean, it's there's almost too much content out there. So, we'll start with what I'm watching on HBO Go and um, kind of work our way through the ramble. For those of you unfamiliar with the series, I pick a set of topics. I just start to riff on them. Typically, it gets incoherent. I kind of just let my thoughts take over, and then, you know, it doesn't really make much sense by the end. But, you know, if anything, it'll keep you disoriented, maybe help you fall asleep. So that's a good thing for me. Now, if you were on a Helix mattress, you'd, in my estimation, definitely be asleep by now. I've had the pleasure of sleeping on a Helix mattress, specifically the Dusk, what is it, the Dusk Lux, yeah, Helix Dusk Lux, a little bit of a tongue twister. been sleeping on that for the last uh, few weeks at this point, and um, I've always looked forward to going to bed, but... The thing is, the mattress I had before, it was a regular mattress with a foam topper. And if you know those foam toppers, sometimes they get too hot. Uh, They'll provide like enough support and comfort and kind of squish for the first little while. Then eventually you almost feel like it's just caving in. So where you're heaviest, your body just kind of sinks into that mat, that foam topper and, you know, gets hot. It's, It's just, you know, it is a solution. It's just not the best solution for me. Switching over to Helix over these last couple of weeks has been uh, life-changing. I've said it a couple times at this point, but I'm really not making that up. Now again, the mattress I'm on is a Helix Dusk Lux. It's kind of this medium-feel mattress. It seems to be their most common choice. But here's what Helix does for you to make sure that they find the mattress for you, because they do have quite a few options. Go to helixsleep.com relax, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I really don't have to ramble on about Helix because I think uh, their reviews speak for themselves. They have a 100-night sleep uh, guarantee. If you don't like the mattress in 100 nights, they'll pick it up. They'll take it away. They have a 10-year warranty on their mattress, so they, uh, they stand by their product, and it's no surprise because they stand by it, you fall asleep on it. Right now, Helix is offering up to $125 off all mattress orders. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. You know, their mattress, their mattresses are not uh, too expensive. They have, you know, they have some range, but $125 off makes a serious difference. With those $125, I genuinely recommend that you try their pillows. I have their Ultra Cool Pillow. It's this really cool... Uh, it's like this pillow that almost comes in three parts. Like it's two mini pillows. You can stuff it into a cover and then you can kind of play with the, the height and width and density of the pillow. Um, but they stay super cool throughout the night, like cool to the touch. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I mean, this thing for me, for me that I'm, I go to sleep and I wake up hot. It really does help. So anyway, I'm rambling. Get up to $125 off at helixsleep.com slash relax. That's helixsleep.com slash relax for up to $125 off 
your mattress order. You will not regret it. Now, I know I'm late on this. I know I'm late on this. I know. I know I'm late on it. But I restarted watching Game of Thrones on HBO Go. I'm not the kind of person that enjoys re-watching series or movies, but in anticipation of watching the full final season, I thought it would be nice to revisit. You know, it's honestly so dense that you do forget certain things unless you're unless you've memorized all of it or you've read the books. And um, you know, I have them saved season the last season, which is I think season eight. I already have it couple episodes taped um you know the truth is i like to consume my content in chunks and what i've noticed is i'm comfortable with being patient i'm comfortable not watching the first four or five episodes however many episodes are out at this point i think they're already out it was supposed to be now in in april I would prefer to skip the first few episodes and be able to watch, say, two episodes a day for a few weeks or for a few days, as opposed to watching one and then having to wait for the next week. I can wait. But once I get a little taste, this is why this is why I try not to have any sweets or anything in my house, because once I get a little taste... I have such a hard time saying no. It's that kind of addictive personality that comes back and really, you know, it could do some damage. You know, it does happen when I eat. For example, if I eat something and let's say I'm trying to abstain from eating certain kinds of foods. If I, again, if I get a little appetizer sized portion my mind starts running wild. I start to continue to crave that item or that kind of food for, you know, weeks after. So I just try to forget everything. So, not that you asked. I'm rambling on this topic. You probably don't even care about my my eating habits. But, again, revisiting... Game of Thrones, full seasons. I don't like to rewatch, but I think Game of Thrones deserves a full rewatch because it is so dense. A lot of people like to say things like, the book is better than the movie or the show. And I've never quite understood that. Because if you enjoy reading, and you like that kind of genre, and you think it's well written then I understand why you feel that way, but telling others that you don't understand how they like the movie or the show better than the book is... It really is nonsensical. Because it's likely, or at least possible, in that scenario that they just don't like reading very much. So if someone doesn't like to consume entertainment or knowledge by reading, then really it is impossible for that person to actually believe the book is better. Because for them, they like consuming their entertainment and content through a screen. It's like... And I'm just whiffing here, so... 
maybe the analogy I come up with won't be very good. Um, but it's like saying to someone, well, you know, that your grandmother's pudding is better than a cheesecake. Well, if someone enjoys pudding and cheesecake the same, then there's that possibility. But if the person you're talking to hates pudding, then how would it be possible for them to experience the pudding as being better than the cheesecake? And it, it's a shame because my grandma, my grandmother makes a very good flan or flan. I'm not sure how you say it. Either way, she makes it mean flan or flan when you ask everyone who enjoys it. But of course, I don't really enjoy flan or flan. For me, it's just like too slimy in texture for me to enjoy. I've noticed that I'm very much so driven by the texture of food, so it's not surprising. Like, my cousin loves roast beef and potatoes for dinner, but that combo, it doesn't really appeal to me. Because I enjoy having some crunch in my meals. You know, for example, my sister hates croutons in her salad, whereas I really enjoy, and well, I, I guess to some degree, I almost need croutons in my salad in order to really enjoy it. Otherwise, I feel like you're chewing on water and air, and it's just not that satisfying without some kind of texture or complement to your meal. Um... Another example would be sticking to salads, for example, primarily discussing salads. If I have a, like a blue cheese salad, I, I kind of need some like candied pecans or pecans. Did you know that pecan, I think they have three legitimate ways of pronouncing it. Pecan, 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 pecan. Pecan and, and, well, I guess that sounds about right. There can only be two then. Pecan, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like in uh, English 101. So anyway, I think I learned the other day that, um, I didn't learn, I mean, it's, I'm presenting this information as if it's uh, groundbreaking, um, scientifical, you know, evidence of, of life on Mars or something, but I was having this conversation with a co-worker, and she referred to it as pecan, and I said pecan, and then she said I was wrong, and then we looked it up, and in reality, you can pronounce it, either which way. I hope you're asleep by this point because in the span of a few minutes I've discussed my eating habits, texture in my food, HBO Go, and uh, books versus movies. Brutal. Anyway, let's go back to content. Well, let me finish my thought. How about that? Since I... I uh, started and I should finish it. If I'm having a blue cheese salad, for example, then I do need some kind of candied pecan or pecan uh, to accompany that salad and add texture. Otherwise, I won't 
eat it. You know, some may say that my dietary habits are kind of childish in that sense, but look, I can make decisions for myself. If I'm making the sacrifice of having a salad, and I don't enjoy salad in general, then I think I can enjoy something that there needs to be an element of it that I look forward to. That's really the the bottom line. And what's the element that I would enjoy in a salad? Well, it's going to be the crouton mixed with the cheese, or in the most recent example, I provided a little candied pecan or pecan uh, with a blue cheese salad. And that's precisely the problem I have with my Nana's uh, flan or flan is... The dessert in general is just so slimy. I mean, you don't get any differential texture. It's like it's like a cheesecake that doesn't have enough of a gram layer. You feel like you're just having like a dense like a dense cream almost. I mean, there's just not so anyway, again, let now let's jump back into content, HBO Go, so forth. Um, genuinely, I feel like there's just too much content out there. There's so many options that I frequently will get paralysis by analysis. Essentially just deciding that there's so much stuff out there that I can't even decide where to begin. And there is an article by Time Magazine that I saw the other day with the headline of something like, there's too much Netflix, what happens now, or something like that. I'm going to quickly see if I can share some of the thoughts on there. I'm going to quickly open. I left a, a link here just to see, because I, I knew I was going to want to touch on it. So let's see Here it is. I'm going to read a little bit because I agree with the general premise. Let's see what you think. Netflix fatigue is real. In 2018, I've heard friends, relatives, and Twitter acquaintances alike. Obviously, this is from 2018. Um, but I probably looked into it on Google and it was the first thing that came out. I've heard friends, relatives, and Twitter acquaintances alike complain that they can't keep up with a streamer's torrent of programming. And here's the thing, neither can I, and I'm a TV critic. Side-scrolling through the Netflix original section on my home screen just now, I spotted plenty of familiar shows, but Cuckoo, Wanted, and The Protector each failed to ring a bell. Turns out they're all foreign imports. When even people who write about TV for a living can't keep up, you have to wonder, what is the endgame here? If Netflix thrives on subscriptions and is the buzz around individual shows and movies, ideally an escalating hum of media coverage, advertising, and word-of-mouth endorsements that drives signups, what's the point of churning out more programming that you can effectively promote? Critics have been lamenting the surplus of television for much of the current decade, but this way, but this was the year that exhaustion spread to civilian reviewers confronted by FOMO every time they logged into Netflix. Streaming has already changed the way we watch TV. 
weekly chatter about All in the Family, then Seinfeld, then The Wire, gave way to binge viewings of the streaming show Du Jour. Now another shift is afoot, as options exponentially expand. Each Netflix subscriber's homepage fills sorry the text is very small fills with discrete, data-driven recommendations, and we all wind up watching something different. What does this fragmentation mean for the community aspect of TV, which for decades brought friends together on couches, drove vital culture-wide debates, and gave queer Californian socialists of color common ground with white Republican retirees in Alabama? Is Netflix trying to create enough content to perfectly satisfy every kind of person? And if so, how would that level of personalization affect a viewing public which is to say a country and a world that grows more polarized each day. So general premise, I think it's a little bit um, alarming. It's a little bit, it's a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hyperbolic. I think if you, you know, there were articles when legitimate from what I can tell I don't have any sources because I'm, I'm not a journalist sue me uh, don't sue me please I don't have much um, when when automobiles started becoming more widespread um, families were lamenting the fact and media outlets were lamenting the fact that this was going to be the end of of the family unit because kids were going to jump in a car and just hang out with their friends all day and then you know, that, that family unit itself would never be the same. And I understand the idea is we're, we're sort of, we're less of community today than I think we've ever been. I think people are, um, to some degree, because here's the thing. I think if you can find a legitimate community, like something that I recently have become very interested in has been Formula One. There was speaking of Netflix. <laughs> speaking of Netflix, they had a uh, Formula One series uh, looking into the 2018 season. F1 was something that I had seen here and there, but I, I didn't quite understand the dynamics, and I just never took the time to really learn about it. And after learning about it, and at this point, it's been uh, a few weeks since I watched it. I've continued to want to get involved in the sport. So I find that I can see or I find that I can um, become part of a community that maybe are, you know, new F1 enthusiasts. But I, I, I do understand the idea. It's speaking of rabbit holes. Um, if we're not even we're finding less common ground, right? in communities and I find that when people or I think that when people start losing a sense of community I think that's when we become more cruel to each other and I think we accept that bad behavior is just a, a almost a normal consequence of it and um, again it's a little bit hyperbolic I don't think I don't think what we watch on Netflix being unified is what truly brings a country together I, I think yeah, I'd probably argue that having a you know local community, whether it's your school or church or um, 
you know, again, a, a, a card, like a, a Magic the Gathering group or something like that. I mean, I have a, a cousin that he grew up on that. You know, he played Magic. You know, he was, he kind of had a, a little bit of a tough upbringing on his side. And one of the ways that he stayed out of trouble was uh, he would play uh, card games. And then, you know, there was a group locally that would meet up two or three times a week. And so he felt that sense of community, it motivated him to not focus on getting involved in bad activities, but rather just these kind of fun things that he could. And uh, you know, he's doing very well. So I think TV is not going to be, I don't think TV itself necessarily contributes greatly to the decline of community. I just think it's a general, you know, it, it needs to start with more effort. I mean, whatever. I'm, uh, I'm preaching my, my view on this. Again, it's not, it's my show, but it's, it's really for your entertainment. So, so often I'll start doing these rambles and I'll, get off on these tangents and then I think, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this would be boring to them, which could be good because if it's boring, then, you know, you're falling asleep. But anyway, I'm going to continue reading uh, a little bit more of the article. Again, I just wanted to pause there because I, I understand kind of the, the, I can understand the argument, you know, we're, we're it's, you know, it's a polarized world, we're finding less uh, involvement in our own respective communities, and it can be online, that's not what I'm saying, um, but people are, are, you know, we're forming, we're forming uh, common groups, maybe in a less frequent, I don't even know that, I'm, I'm just assuming. And this author is, or this writer is clearly indicating that, you know, if we're not unified by Seinfeld, for example, or Game of Thrones, um, then we find less common ground. Maybe, possibly, but at the same time, I, I think while there's too much content, in my opinion, there is tremendous opportunity for people to find new interests and new groups that they really connect with. I think the onus is now on people to find their, their niche groups, and I would never be able to, you know, like, I, I don't really have an interest in joining an F1 enthusiast group in my city, um, but I'd be happy to discuss races online hear what people think about the race, hear what people think about drivers, hear what people think about, you know, the qualifying and all that. So, anyway. In June, a New York Magazine story offered some rare insight into the secretive company's plans. According to reporter Joseph Adeline, Netflix, quote, Netflix operates by simple logic long understood by such tech behemoths as Facebook and Amazon. Growth begets more growth begets more growth, end quote. But even the mastermind of this model, the company's chief content officer, Ted Sarandos, didn't seem entirely confident in its long game. Quote, the thing that keeps me up at night is scale, end quote. He told Adeline, well, he continues. 
it is a mind-boggling amount of programming that's being produced here. How do we keep scaling it? End quote. Considering that Netflix is still running on borrowed funds, its future depends on finding a profitable solution to that quandary. Saturday Night Live spoke for all of us who remain confused about how the company intends to ever make money with a recent Netflix parody ad in which a voiceover proclaims in 2019 we'll have even more programming to choose from. Can you use car commercial below? Because we've gone crazy. That's funny. At the end of the year, packed with long-tail pleasures but short on galvanizing triumphs like Game of Thrones and the debut seasons of Handmaid's Tale and American Crime Story, as well as Netflix's own Stranger Things, more big questions have emerged. Is Netflix's glut of original content rendering such runaway hits impossible to the extent that this onslaught is even bringing the service's own flagship shows? Most importantly, for viewers who value quality over quantity, if not for industry wonks and corporate bean counters, can what's good for commerce possibly be good for art too? Um, and then this is the last bit. It's worth remembering that Netflix didn't start this content arms race. Statistics compiled by FX demonstrate that such programming more than quadrupled on basic cable and nearly double doubled on pay TV in the decade between 2002 and 2012. That was before streaming services started making their own shows in earnest, a phenomenon that now accounts for almost one-third of all original scripted content. So, <clears throat> it's not really a problem uh, by the part of Netflix, as far as I'm concerned. I think they are pushing to really replace TV. And for them, they'd rather flood the market with too much content than not enough, which was maybe the issue with it before the huge boom in content. Um, when, genuinely speaking, I think the long game for Netflix is they want to say, rather than you getting a cable subscription, you get a Netflix subscription. I also wouldn't be surprised if they have a similar model to Hulu, where you can have different tiers and, you know, for 13 bucks a month, you don't have to watch any ads. For 5 you watch a couple ads here and there. And then they have a free one where, you know, you can watch whatever you want, but you get an ad every, um, you know, every, every break or whatever. So, that's my goal. I mean, I, I don't think... Again, I don't think Netflix having too much content is going to be the destruction of the family unit or communities around us. I don't think, you know, again, I think it's, I think it's a little bit um, hyperbolic, but I get the general idea. There's so much content that, you know, you really don't even know where to begin. But they're going to keep doing it, I think, until, you know. They don't want you to think about Prime Video. They don't want you to think about Hulu. They don't want you to think about HBO Go. They want you just to think, well, Netflix is a go-to. So, we'll see. That's the end of this ramble. Um, I don't think I could possibly bore you more, even if I tried. So, that's it for this episode of Sleep and Relax ASMR. Thanks again to my buddies over at Helix Sleep. Remember that you can get up to $125 off your mattress order 
by visiting helixsleep.com relax. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always reach me by emailing hello at sleepandrelaxasmr.com. That's it for this episode. Thanks as always for listening and take care.